Well, you know, the president is asking for a clean debt ceiling bill, and I'm asking for a dirty one. I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, it, it struck me that uh, the president is using the term uh, clean al almost in a rich, ironic sort of way. <laughs> He's very clever what like could... that, Scott. <laughs> That's right. What could be uh, what could be less clean than passing on thirty one point something on trillion dollars to your grandchildren? Uh, that just seems like a dirty deed done dirt expensive. And uh, this is uh, what the Republicans are pushing back on this. And Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, to his credit, is saying that he doesn't want to do that. Um, however, I don't really see a path forward where he gets what he wants. And, and here's why. Um, there's an organization called the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget that estimates that balancing the federal budget, uh, spending and revenues uh, over the next 10 years without a tax hike would require a 25% cut in spending. Now, Hold your horses there for a second because that's not the final number. And let me remind you that under the deal that uh, Kevin McCarthy allegedly struck with the recalcitrant Republicans uh, to become Speaker of the House, uh, part of the deal was that the Republicans must produce a budget resolution that would produce a balanced budget within 10 years. Mm. And so here's okay. the kicker. Stephen Green, without cuts to Social Security or Medicare which Kevin McCarthy opposes anyway, yeah. and without a tax hike, spending would have to be cut 85% in all other categories in order to balance the budget in 10 years. Under those circumstances, it's almost possible to understand why Joe Biden is asking for a so-called clean uh, debt ceiling bill because He's looking at those numbers and saying, that's a joke. There's no way that happens. <laughs> is it a joke, Steve? Or is there something that Kevin McCarthy can hang on to as he tries to hold on to the dream of doing what got him the speakership? Guess what? One way or another, cuts are coming. And I'm talking about to the sacred cows of Social Security and Medicare Medicaid because they are unsustainable. Just, just over the next few years, Social Security is going to start running uh, $2.5 trillion in, in deficits. That's debt to you and me uh, to, to pay for benefits. So either Social Security taxes are going to have to go up 25% in the next, uh, I think it's 10 years, or benefits are going to have to be cut by 25% or, or some kind of uh, balance between the two. And that's only a short-term fix. That only gets you through the next few years, and then you're going to have to do it again because there are fewer and fewer workers supporting more and more retirees who are living longer and longer uh, retirements. It's just not sustainable. And Medicare, Medicaid, nothing drives up medical ex uh, costs faster than government trying to make it more affordable. You 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 watch the uh, the the uh, spending per capita on healthcare, and uh, up until the 1960s it was a little wiggly line, kind of like this. And then Medicare, 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 and Medicaid came along and started to go up. You know what else started to go up? Administrators administrator. You got to administrate the program. The hospitals and your doctors, they have to do the paperwork. You know why there are hardly any independent doctors left while, you're, while your doctor is at a clinic now instead of their own office? Because you got to work for a big company to handle all the damn paperwork. And that mm -hmm. is all thanks to Medicare and Medicaid and federal regulation. We are... Uh, 
there's no getting out of this this trap that we're in without cuts to these programs. It's impossible. I'm sorry if that's what you were planning on, but guess what? Plans change. And if we don't make the cuts, guess what's going to happen instead? You like the inflation of the last year, year and a half? You ain't seen nothing yet because if we can't get the spending under control, Congress is going to do, the government's going to do what it always does and inflate the debt away. So you're, you, you, they won't officially cut your Social Security or your Medicaid spending by, by 25%, but they'll inflate at least that much of its value away. Um, this is this is what's coming. This is what has to come. And, and Scott, it's, not why I'm, I, it's why I'm not worried about this this debt ceiling crisis or the, the the next debt ceiling crisis down the road because the fact is none of it matters until Congress gets the will to do the right thing, to be honest with the American people and, and just do what has to be done or it's hyperinflation and economic collapse. Those, those are our choices. Sorry. Well, Bill Whittle, I think I heard today um, on a news program that this will be the 78th adjustment to the debt ceiling um, in the last several decades, I imagine. Um, and Kevin McCarthy, it seems to me, has painted himself into a corner. He says yes to the Republicans. I'm going to help you all produce a, a resolution for a balanced budget within 10 years, all the while knowing that the only way to get to that without cutting Social Security and Medicare or raising taxes is to cut 85% of other spending. And he has staked out a position in the past, as have many Republicans, that Social Security and Medicare are sacrosanct. We're not going to touch those. Should we just laugh this guy out of the house? <laughs> you guys have both seen, I'm sure, Titanic. I don't think there's anybody who hasn't seen Titanic. True story on the Titanic was that the designer, primary designer on the Titanic, Mr. Andrews, I want to say, was on board for the maiden voyage. And when they struck the iceberg, he went down below to the forward compartments. And when he came back up, he said to the captain, this ship's going down and it's going to sink within two hours. And he wasn't like, we might make it. And it wasn't like, hey, you know, if we do this, it, this man knew the ship better than anybody else. He saw the damage. He said, it's going down. That's how I feel. I wish I didn't, but I do. When the debt when the total national debt was somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 trillion, which would be, I guess, a week and a half ago or whatever the case may be. But back when it was $20 trillion, I saw a, a remarkable video on YouTube called basically visualizing $20 trillion. And if you imagine a, a, a stack of $100 bills that fully matches the footprint of the World Trade Center buildings and the height of the World Trade Center buildings, it's something like 80 of those. It's, it's, beyond, it's beyond human comprehension. And because it's beyond comprehension, it, the, reason, the reason I use that example with the Titanic, Scott, is that money isn't money anymore. And it hasn't been money for a long time. And the way that we understand money and the way that we understand you take a loan, you take a risk, you get your money back is interest. If you, if you lose a debt, you write off a debt, that's a loss. No. I had a, I don't know the details of this, so I don't want to get too far in the weeds with this, but I had a friend who, who bought a house not too long ago. He had to sign, had to sign the documents in, in, I think he said 42 places, because essentially what was happening was he, when, he, when he took out that mortgage, it, it created, for the sake of the argument, let's say it was 100 grand for the house, right? Just for the sake of the argument. 
when he signed that document, it was like, it wasn't like they borrowed a hundred grand from a bank, paid it to the guy who owned the house. It it created a hundred thousand dollars out of thin air. It just it just fiated it into existence, and that's not how money works. And since money doesn't work that way, and since the people that are controlling the world's money supply are continuing to run up these debts, we have. Logic tells us there's there's two things at work here. Either they're doing it on purpose or they're not. If they're not doing it on purpose, then the reason they're doing it is, and they know it's catastrophic, is for the same reason that, that any other addict does what he does. They, they simply can't stop. It's not a question of they should stop. It's not a question of debt ceilings. When you say they've raised the debt ceiling 47 times or 87 times or whatever, it's like saying, yeah, the guy came home and, and stole his mom's silverware set so he could go out and get high. Is, is that repugnant? Yes, of course it's repugnant. Is that what addicts do? Yes, they will do anything. You know how much cocaine an addict does? All of it. All of it. All of it. He doesn't put some away for a rainy day. It doesn't work like that, right? So either they are not doing it on purpose and they are, and they are incapacitated in their ability to stop spending other people's money or they are doing it on purpose. And, and I think Steve is on to some big part of that. You inflate your way out of not only out of debt, you can inflate your way out of all kinds of other things. And I would feel a lot better if the if the big brains at Davos um, and when the richest people in the world, with the exception of Elon Musk, I, I'm happy to say, when the richest people in the world get together for years now and came up with a term for what the future looks like, I would have felt a lot better if they called it the Great Repayment instead of the Great <laughs> Reset. But that's not what they called it. They called it the Great Reset. They didn't call it the Great Collapse. They didn't call it the Great Re- they, they called it the Great Reset. And they know what they're doing. The, the idea is to essentially zero the debt clock out and say, well, let's just all call it square and, you know, and we'll go on with our lives and then you will continue to rent stuff from us and everybody, nobody will own anything, everybody will be happy. But you can't look at $31 trillion in debt, which we all know will never be repaid. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it, right? You can't look at that and say that's real money. And then say, well, we can we can find a way out of this politically. It's going to something monumental is going to happen. I don't know what that is, but something monumental is going to happen. And to talk about, well, we're going to if we can cut save, you know, if we cut spending by you know two hundred billion dollars over the next ten years. It's like holding on to the to the pennant on the on the back of the Titanic. You know, it's like holding on to the flag as the thing's going down and and treading water. And, and telling yourself, you know, no, I can keep this thing afloat. It's ridiculous. You know, it seems, as Bill was talking about that, that money has gone from a means of exchange that constitutes um, an exchange of value to more like something like an expression of hope. <laughs> um, it's not really anything that says, you know, when things started, it was like, I'll tell you what, why don't I give you this hog and then you give me those sheaves of wheat. And, uh, you know, this is, took me some while, a while to grow this wheat and you took a while to grow that hog. And so we both have sweat equity in this and I need the one, you need the other. So there's value in that. When you get to the levels that we're talking about now, there's no real value in it. Um, it, it was, I was trying to put this in in normal terms because I think part of the reason why America does not get engaged with the arguments that the Republicans have been trying to make for decades and why this argument is a perennial loser for Republicans (laughs) um, 
And that is that we, we don't think it's real. We, we can't imagine these kinds of numbers and we don't see where that goes or what or how it can be fixed. Um, it, it occurred to me that it's like, it's like if Joe and Jill went to, let's just call them Joe and Jill. Joe and Jill went to a credit card company and said, look, we need uh, another credit card and we need a $25,000 uh, credit limit on this credit card. And they said, well, why do you, why do you need the credit card? And he said, well, um, we have about uh, 13 other credit cards, but we've maxed them all out. Mm -hmm. And those credit card companies won't give us any more uh, increases in our credit limit. And so, well, what are you going to do with your new credit card? Well, we're going to pay on the other credit cards with the new credit card. That's why we need so much uh, in that credit limit. Um, any sensible credit card company would just laugh at them and say, no, I'm sorry, your, your credit is no good. Um, you've already demonstrated that you can't manage credit. And now you're asking us to take an additional risk uh, on your behalf. Well, you know, we're the bank. <laughs> We're the ones who are going to put our tax money into this. And people who buy U.S. bonds of various kinds, T-bills and savings bonds and things like that, or, or U.S. debt that's bought by foreign purchasers, are all investing with this expression of hope, basically saying, well, it's, it's the U.S. of F&A. There's no way that that goes down. I mean, if that goes down, we've got much more serious problems. I remember years ago, a guy in financial services was making that pitch to me as to why you should buy, uh, you should buy into bonds and things like that. And he said, hey, you know, if the federal government can't meet its obligations, then we got much more serious problems than that. So you might as well go ahead and invest in this because, you know, that's highly unlikely to happen. And if it happens, well, all bets are off. And I, I just think that common sense has to come to bear at some point, but I'm wrong about that. And I have been wrong about that for a long, long time. Um, and I have personally failed to tell a persuasive story to people because people don't, people don't know how to manage their own money. I mean, we've got, we've got huge numbers of people who are deep in high interest debt who don't know how to manage their own money. So they're not going to turn around and wag their finger at the U.S. government <laughs> when they're looking at their own monthly stack of bills and going, holy cow, should we, should we file for bankruptcy? Because this looks really bad. <laughs> um, so at some point, Bill's right. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. You know, it's, there's, there's going to be some sort of shaking out here of some kind. What that looks like, I have no idea. And I think, in a sense, the government is doing the same thing that a lot of people do. They're going to the convenience store and they're buying lottery tickets. Yeah. And they're hoping that somehow, some way, they're going to hit it rich. And when they do, not only will they take all those vacations they want and give money to everybody who they like, but they're going to take care of that debt once and for all. Color me skeptical about that. <laughs> yeah. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members of BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.